Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Brian Sanya Mondo on and he's a blockchain lawyer. Hi, Brian. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? We're good, wow. thank you. How are you? I'm all good. I'm in Trinidad and Tobago. It's a bit hot today. Oh, very jealous. We're in <laughs> very, very grey England. It's raining. <laughs> I actually miss the England weather because I prefer to be layered up than be sweaty. And, you know? <laughs> um, Brian, shall we jump straight yeah. in? Because I'm really interested to find out about what you do. Right. Okay. So I'm a qualified barrister in England and Wales, first of all. And I am a qualified attorney at law in Trinidad and Tobago. So um, I came from, I relocated from England to Trinidad and um, qualified to practice um, within the Commonwealth Caribbean by undertaking a sort of conversion course. Mm -hmm. So now I'm, 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 a Trini I'm, a, I'm a practitioner in this region, basically. Okay. And yeah. so you're a blockchain lawyer, right? So you specialize in the, in the blockchain. Right. So yes, but no. So I have to, I have to take a, um, a split approach to this. So my practice is basically commercial law and internet, intellectual property law. Okay. Yeah. But I also do lots of uh, international trade and government procurement stuff. Now with um, blockchain, my interest lies in using blockchain in supply uh, supply chain systems. Okay. So that's where the blockchain aspect comes in. So the question that I focus on, because I'm also um, a PhD candidate, the question uh -huh. I the, the question I focus on is this: um, How can we ethically adopt blockchain in 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 markets in institutions? in anything that can be enhanced using blockchain. So basically I take an ethical and regulatory approach to blockchain wow. and crypto assets, uh, sorry, crypto assets. Wow, really interesting. So yes. how did you get onto the subject of blockchain? Obviously it's not um, something that's banded about that much. Obviously it's becoming more and more, crypto is becoming more and more popular. People know more about it. But even within the world of law, it's obviously a very new thing and not much has been involved. What is it that got you involved in blockchain and you started to look at it? Okay, so after finishing bar school uh, in Nottingham in around 2017, I went back to my home country, Kenya, and I was running a company. It was a startup and um, I was partnering with uh, an Australian company that provides event technology. So we were trying to reduce fraud at the point of sale using uh, NFC and RFID technology. But now things like AI were becoming more popular. And at this point, the UK wanted to be the leader in um, AI technology and it, it released some command papers and um, uh, let, let's just say white papers uh, to just put them uh, collectively. So it was releasing white papers talking about uh, AI technology. But then moving on, um, Ethereum launched and there was the aspect of smart contracts. So it developed blockchain from what it initially was at conception with Bitcoin to become this thing that you can build applications on 
and have smart contracts, which is basically self-executing codes. It's nothing to do with contracts and nothing to do with smartness because they are also subject to um, a bug. Uh, they, they have uh, errors in code and uh, there's bugs in them as well. So you get hackers um, bypassing the systems uh, um, and things and, and so forth, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I started researching like how you could pair AI technology with blockchain technology so that you have a sort of foolproof system using the smart contracts. So you have things called oracles and you know, I, they call them IoT devices. Yes. So you have like, yes. So you have uh, IoT devices getting information and you have oracles getting information and it's the artificial intelligence that gets this information for you through deep learning and um, whatever you want to call it. And then the blockchain, the blockchain is basically a, uh, a ledger. Think of an accounts ledger. Mm-hmm. The blockchain writes down information. So before Bitcoin and them all, there was blockchain before, and there was uh, distributed ledger technologies before, but it only became popular with the advent of Bitcoin. And also, that was around 2008 when Bitcoin um, kicked off, but it still didn't pick, uh, take off properly until, uh, let's say, around in 2012s, and then when Ethereum came around. But people still don't know what's really going on. If you ask someone what blockchain is, they'll tell you it's Bitcoin. But yeah. there's so much, yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's so much to this technology than Bitcoin. Bitcoin is actually the native currency of the Bitcoin protocol. So under every blockchain protocol, you could have a native currency. So we could have the, the, the Brian coin or whatever. You know, everybody <laughs> nowadays has a, has a coin. So it's, 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 it's important to understand the technology and where it's going. So I take a very... Um, ethical and pragmatic look at blockchain because I need to understand how it can coexist in society and how it can be safe. Because if you look at blockchain, it's, it, it has no boundaries. It's, it's, it's a pervasive technology and it, 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 it goes across multiple borders because this is what was envisioned by the creators of Bitcoin. Mm. It's such an interesting sort of concept to apply yes. this, this technology that wants to open up the world and allow yes. people to trade with trust directly with yes. each other, opposed to having a broker in the middle. And now it yes. must be incredibly difficult to yes. legislate and start building the law around that because yes. it, it's not been done before, right? It, it, it really hasn't been done before. And, okay, you have some places that are trying to uh, implement uh, blockchain legislation. I think the best example will be the state of Wyoming in the USA. They're the most forward thinking in terms of um, blockchain and things called decentralized autonomous organizations. So 
let me go back a bit <laughs> because if if we skip a step we'll skip everything all right sure, we'll miss sure. out on crucial bits so just please take a note of um smart contracts and decentralized autonomous organizations and just ask me that question before i forget <laughs> so so in 2008 you have this financial crisis you remember when the markets crashed yeah so the the people uh it's like um it's like a rebellious movement it was called the cypherpunk movement so it sounds like a rock band or something like that these people decided not not these people actually it was around this sort of genre of people but the man who created the technology is called satoshi nakamoto all mm-hmm. right yeah so he decided because he does not want to he wants to build a technology that is peer to peer without a central intermediary okay yep where two people who don't know each other could transact in such a way that um it 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 cuts out the middleman which means it's uh it's faster there's less cost there's there's less kyc and such and such but bitcoin as so i'll mention bitcoin a lot because it's not bitcoin the currency but the bitcoin protocol yeah so the bitcoin protocol is 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 built on something it's 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 pseudonymous all right so as it, it it's kind of anonymous but there are some transactions that can still be seen okay. so the yeah so so um so like uh, the transactional data can still be seen so you can still track some people if if they are doing you can track bad actors essentially got you but then you have some fully decentralized systems and this is what regulators think um cryptocurrency is about so they think everything under crypto can be used for criminal um like a conduit in criminal stuff you mm-hmm. know because mm-hmm. those things like silk road where uh, you have um illegal trade going on in the in the black markets so that's what blockchain and um crypto ha- has has built notoriety you know yes. on on such or it's it's the, uh on such platforms so here here we come uh we are trying to regulate something regulators don't even understand the protocols they don't know the 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 functioning of this technology so how do you start regulating something that you don't understand you have to first of all understand the technology then apply your lawyer hat and apply your it hat and see okay cool so this is how this thing works yeah so you have um uh, the financial action task force coming in and they're saying you know things like crypto are used for financial crimes or money laundering crimes whatever so we have to regulate we have to regulate so this is a really machine gun type of regulation approach that they're taking and not okay. considering how this thing really works so for me i personally use um modalities um uh uh created by this man called Lawrence Lessig he's a he's a world renowned lawyer and he's written lots of stuff about um regulation of things in the cyberspace mm-hmm. so 
you cannot take a one um, a one-sided approach when it comes to regulation. You have to look at the law first of all. How does oh yeah? So this thing is called the pathetic uh, the pathetic dot theory. All right. Okay. <laughs> right, and it has four modalities in it. So there's the law, there's social norms, there's the market, and there's architecture. So you find many people in the legal realms and um, the social realms. They're just like, this thing is bad. This thing is bad. We have to hammer it down. Like mm-hmm. in the UK, you have the FCA. They yeah. say that they, they can't really regu- regulate crypto because they quite don't understand it. But if, it, if, it, if it's not digital money, if it's not e-money, then it's not subject to regulation, you know? So they really don't know how to handle themselves with such things. And then they did a report last, uh, was it this year sometime in June, July? And they said in, the, in England, in the UK, you have 2.3 million users of crypto. Yep. So it means it's popular, right? Yes. But mo- most people using it are using it out of fear of missing out. Yes. But then they go to say they're going to invest a lot of money. I'm not, I can't, I'm not sure what the sum was. Is it too... It's, it was a hefty sum of money. They said they're going to invest a lot of money to advertise against the use of uh, crypto. So it's, it's, it's sort of a fear-mongering approach to regulation, whereby you should be giving guys like, okay, so this is crypto. It can do this. It can do this. And we are going to work with the uh, exchanges, with the crypto uh, platforms to find ways that if someone loses their wallet or whatever, we could have this remedy for them. And, you know, it works in such a way. Yeah, but it, it must be hard as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the UK, you obviously have the Bank of England and the government deciding how the Great British Pound is used. In Europe, you have right. the European governing body deciding how the euro can be used. Right. Who's meant to be enforcing crypto across the whole world? Are we all meant to like come together? Or does every country, are they going to have to have their own laws regarding different cryptos? So that, that's, that's the role of the Financial Action Task Force. So it was, man, it was given this mandate that um, it's like, think of it like the UN, right? Yeah. So this is, the, this is the UN for crypto regulation. So you have around... Um, I'm just going to give a, a rough figure, maybe 37 countries, because I don't have my notes with me sure. in front of me right now. So you have like 37 countries that are compliant with um, FATF regulations. But then, you see, it's just like the UN. So the UN can give out some regulations, but before it applies in your local jurisdiction, it has to go through your local parliament and or whatever to see how it applies within your jurisdiction. So you can't have this mother entity saying, okay, this is this. So it has to apply to everybody in, in, in the same fashion. It, it's impossible. Yeah. So you, you, you have to really understand what's happening. And um, so like in the US, for example, you have different entities trying to regulate the same item. So uh, you have, the Securities Exchange Commission, you have the Commodities Futures uh, uh, Commission, and 
other people like the FBI and whatever who are involved in these sort of crimes, you know, uh, like trying to stop these crimes. But there's overlap, there's overlapping roles, there's gaps in regulation. Some states are saying this, some states are friendly states actually, like Wyoming, Miami and them. And then you have some really hardcore states that are like, you know what, we don't want this, mm. you know? And, and then you have places like China that are saying, this is completely forbidden. So it, it, there's no one fit all solution for this regulation thing. You just have to understand it, understand it properly and regulate yourself if you can, like do your yeah. own research as the individual. Yeah. So, so this sounds to me, so, you know, you very explained there about the issue around trying to build law into blockchain and cryptocurrency there's a it's a massive massive issue right so if you're a young mm-hmm. lawyer or somebody that wants to go into law what an exciting area of law to go into because you have the chance to help write that law yes so you have the chance to develop it so for anyone listening to this and thinking oh i'd like to get into blockchain law you know where would they even begin to do something like that <laughs> right uh Daniel. This thing is, is, is big. So um, look at it this way. Let's start off with the GDPR, for instance, okay? Blockchain as blockchain already has friction with the GDPR because there's things like a right to um, erase data. There's the right to be forgotten. There's um, right to amendment. So the blockchain is an immutable ledger, which means when it goes out, it, it's, it's gone out. So for you to come back to delete this record, how do you do it? Do you write data on top of it to rectify the previously written data? That's, that's for one. Secondly, uh, there's tax implications, all right? How, how, how do you tax transactions that happen using blockchain and smart contracts. Look at the NFTs. NFTs right now are buzzing all over the place, but they are full of, like, you have to look at it from a legal point of view in terms of taxation, uh, copyright laws, you know, intellectual property laws. So there's, there's room for every type of lawyer to come into blockchain. Now, this is where the, the DAOs are coming in, the decentralized autonomous organizations. Mm-hmm. So lawyers who practice corporate governance, for example, there's a whole world out here uh, dealing with blockchain governance. So how, how, how do you deal with this? Is, is blockchain, um, can you recognize blockchain as a, as a legal entity? In England at the moment, you can't because it's not a human. But then in the state of Wyoming, in the USA, they have a whole uh, statute that addresses that. And the decentralized autonomous organizations are given the same rights as a limited any other company. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's neither here nor there. You just have to keep learning and learning and learning. And then, um, with things like smart contracts, 
So when I mentioned Ethereum, so Ethereum brought about this revolution of something called decentralized finance. Yeah. So you have DeFi platforms that are um, fully operational on uh, smart contracts, but then you have the smart contract being hacked. So in August, you had like the biggest DeFi um, hack in in history. In like 650 million US dollars was hacked, wow. but then it. It, it was returned because this hacker was trying to prove a point and say, you know what? I was just trying to show you that there was a bug in your, in your code, you know? But then again, last week, you have some protocol after it underwent an upgrade, it paid out money, like 90 million US dollars to its users. Wow. <laughs> and, and yeah, and the, the smart contract, once it's executed, that's done, that's done. So how do you come back to fix the smart contract when it goes haywire? They had so to ask for it back, the didn't they? They had to ask their customers to send it back, didn't they? Nice and politely. Exactly. And yeah. at some point he was, he was a bit of a tool and was like, you know what, we'll, 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 we'll tell the, um, the, the, the IRS or whoever is in charge <laughs> of taxation in the US, we'll yeah. tell them so you'll be on record. Then this, oh, this then this raises more questions. Yeah. If blockchain is decentralized and you're supposed to have your privacy and all such um, securities, mm. how are they able to say that in public that they will they will tell the IRS that you have this money? Yeah. So how how do very how do you point. pinpoint that? Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. It's, very good so, point. <laughs> so is it decentralized is it not decentralized is it uh, is it fully private is it not fully private so like it's yeah there's there's a lot going on really so you? so what's your best number one piece of advice for a young lawyer or somebody wanting to go into law and, and trying to find their field and thinking do you know what blockchain's a bit of me where can they go and do some research about blockchain to learn about it and is there anything they should do to help make themselves stand out for their you know, future employment within blockchain law? Okay, so there's no academic, okay. There are academic institutions coming up right now in terms of um, teaching blockchain. So you have places like MIT and whatever, but if those are, if those are out of your reach, join LinkedIn because there's a strong community on LinkedIn. And these are the people who are like, they have um, operational knowledge of blockchain and smart contracts. So you interact with so many different people because for me, I'm self-taught, you know? So I've mm. done some accredited courses, I've attended webinars uh, like all over the world. But then again, the LinkedIn community is, is the best place to learn and i think this is how we met as well daniel yes it LinkedIn, is and you know? funny you should mention that just before we are doing your podcast we had keir finlow bates on um and oh, he mentioned right. that you guys had, had done a bit of work together and been chatting and that's yes what, do you know we try and talk about this all the time on on the podcast linkedin yeah. and social media is such mm -hmm. a valuable networking tool for anybody in any profession and it just goes to show you know we've had both you guys on in one evening and you know you're working together it's it's mad right and and 
on LinkedIn he's called the the, the blockchain Gandalf because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's superb. You have to read Kier's uh, uh, book. It's called uh, Move Over Blockchain Brokers. You have it's, it's a must read because he's one of the people. He's an inventor. He's an author. He's a thought leader, and his book simplifies blockchain. You can go to the IBM website. They have a book called Blockchain for Dummies. Um, if you want to get some legal aspect of it, there's some books like um, uh, there's this very well-known lawyer, Dean Armstrong QC. Um, he's one of the few lawyers who practice block, uh, crypto uh, and cyber law in London. So the community is so small, but yet again, so big because you have different countries all trying to achieve the same goal and understand where this thing is going. Because blockchain started off in 2008 as Bitcoin. It's now 2021. But the understanding of this thing has, we've barely scratched the surface. We barely, and, and now we are moving to Web3 as well. You need to understand this. So from uh, the original Bitcoin protocol, then you have the Ethereum protocol, and now you have Polkadot, which is bringing this new sort of Web3 sort of um, governance and everything is, is going to be under what they call an internet of value. So like now you can see Twitter is paying people who have good content. Like this thing is crazy. You can't even, de- you can't describe it in, in few words. Like we need like a whole day of a cup of tea and discuss this thing. It's, it's, it's crazy. We'll go off some beers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the thing that interests me is law is generally always behind innovation. So something happens yes. and then the law comes after it to regulate it. Or, or um, With something like cryptocurrency and the way it's developing, you know, this cryptocurrency is being uh, designed and invented almost daily. There's a new one coming about. How can the law keep up with such a rapidly changing and developing um, system like blockchain, particularly where law is very much across the T, dot the I's, and it kind of has to be a bit black and white? Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's a marvellous question, first of all, because when you attend these forums, like uh, on Twitter spaces and whatever, you, you attend forums where you have um, maximalists and neutral people and then the minimalists, yeah? And the, the maxis are always like, we don't care for the law. And the reason why Bitcoin was formed is because we don't, it, it, it was a sort of expressionist movement, you know? We want our freedoms back. We want to have control of our own. So for, for Maxis, they don't want to hear anything about the law. But then again, the Maxis have to understand that under Lessig's modalities, you cannot exist by yourself. You are in a country with other human beings. <laughs> so there has to be a way that things have to be done and things have to be done It can't be a wild west, essentially. That's what I'm getting at. So there has to be regulation. But the the people in charge of regulation are not taking time 
to understand regulation in a modern way. If you're looking at, if you're saying, for instance, uh, crypto is uh, accelerating um, money laundering or financial crimes, there has been money laundering and financial crimes before crypto, you know. So that approach is not valid at all. So people have to do their own research. As lawyers, you have to be on the ball and educate yourself every day. I spend at least 10 hours studying blockchain every day. Wow. Right. So you have to understand blockchain thoroughly and you have to invest time in understanding blockchain. So like I am a student, you know, in terms of understanding blockchain, I think everybody is because it's, it's impossible to understand everything about the blockchain platform. It's impossible. You can't be an expert at everything. So you have to sit back, you have to read. What are people saying out there? What's the community saying out there, you know? So there's a lot of work to be done because the protocols, they keep updating, new things, new features keep coming up. You have Web3 coming up. Um, you have countries like El Salvador taking up Bitcoin as legal tender. So Bitcoin as money is now also on the table. So how, how, how do uh, institutions like the IMF, um, you know, how do they respond to such things? So like there's a lot going on, I won't lie to you. So you just have to do your own research and understand this thing. It's, a, it's huge. It's a monster. Brian, I've got a question that's been bothering me, and I'm not, you're probably the best person to ask. It's right. not so much blockchain, but it's slightly more towards crypto, and obviously they are linked together. Mm-hmm. Currently, the way crypto, more specifically uh, Bitcoin, is uh, created is through running an algorithm of almost like deconstructing a picture, putting it back together, and then it sort of creates a Bitcoin once that's done. Is there oh. any laws around actually? creating bitcoin and cryptos because obviously with something like cash it's how much gold is physically in the bank of england that's how much cash is allowed in the country and then the same with uh fort knots in the us what's sort of happening around the law of the amount of crypto that can be created and on the market right so i'll use the bitcoin uh, example okay because uh that's clearly stated out so uh bitcoin has a limited supply i think it's around 21 million bitcoins okay there's there's a limited supply yeah so when so there's a way there's a formula i i think after this interview i'll send you some notes on that and you could probably do a voiceover explaining that formula because i don't have it in front of me right now but it it has a limited supply and there's the, um, the level of difficulty and whatever is readjusted uh, every so often, you know? So the, 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 the Bitcoin protocol itself has its own rules and governance. That's why I was saying blockchain governance is there. And if people don't agree with some of the rules that happen there, then you have something called a fork like uh, FORK, the, like some, some users might decide to 
divert from the main protocol. You know, so it's it's a bit technical. I'm really trying to simplify it, but I think the best thing we could do is probably have the notes in front and uh, before me, or I'll send them to you, and we can educate the the listener from a from a very informed point of view. And yeah, certainly. Yeah, and just to add on something, Bitcoin gets it derives its value from utility. So. Um, People ask, uh, crypto is not backed uh, by gold, is not backed by, you know, it's not like like, uh, like cash, you know, liquid cash, like the pound or whatever. And it's no longer backed by the gold standard after the Bretton Woods, uh, um, uh, the Bretton Woods uh, uh, summit. I'll call it a summit for now. But after the Bretton Woods, it's no longer backed by the gold standard. But crypto, it gains its value through utility. And in things like blockchain, oh, sorry, Bitcoin, its limited supply is what gives it its, 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 its value. Mm. Well, Brian, yeah. I could talk to you for hours about blockchain and uh, how it's going to change the world and the law around it. I mean, it sounds like you're, uh, you're in for a, a long ride for the with the law and trying to create legislation but thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have a chat with us it's been really interesting thank you thank you thank you for inviting me and uh i'm i'm i'm, I'm always here to help so whenever awesome. you need some yeah i'm always well, on, on that note where can people find you and reach out to you if they had any questions right so i think the best place to reach me uh to reach me on is on linkedin because that's where you'll find the greater blockchain and crypto community and that's where i post uh, most of my content because you get people who are engaging with you intellectually and also in terms of you know it's 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 not for entertainment purposes it's like we are trying to do something you know we are trying to to bridge the law and computational systems so linkedin is the ble- is the best place for that at times twitter as well um, because of spaces, there's some good forums on that. So um, Brian Sanya Mondo on LinkedIn and uh, Brian Sanya Mondo on Twitter. I'm hardly on Instagram or Facebook because on there, there's no business. I'm mm. sorry, just hit. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you again, Brian. All right. You're welcome.